morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Fantasy File Podcast. I'm your host, Greg the Scott, but I'm not from Scotland. And I have with us today a very prestigious co-host who needs no inter... Wow. Needs no introduction. Got an interruption, but yet also needs the biggest introduction of all. Mick, how are you doing? Reunited and it feels so good. I feel great. Yeah? Yeah. I, I guess so. You started singing. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm in full uh, Pentecostal mood right now where mid, mid-sentence mid I'll just power through a hymn. But, excellent. I was going to say, does full Pentecostal mood mean singing like these classic ballads that came yeah, out in yeah, the 70s? Yeah, I'll just start reading. I'll go, mmm, something beautiful. <laughs> Something good. Or whatever the words are. Yeah. Are there still preachers that do that? Not enough. But you definitely want to see more of them do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think I just go to the wrong churches for that specific thing. (laughs) So if you were preaching in a Pentecostal church, you would be singing a lot? Look, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. When I get my own church, guess what I'll be doing? Singing. Singing. Dancing? No. Oh. I have lead feet. Oh. Is that an expression? I don't, uh, maybe, yeah. I have cement cement shoes. He's got cement shoes. Did, like, was it like a mob hit gone wrong? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Fit Tony. <laughs> Mick, I'm sure you have some uh, exciting things to share with us. Why don't you share them? Yeah. Um, I had rhubarb for the first time last week. Like straight up or like jam? Like straight up. Have you ever had rhubarb jam? That stuff is amazing. I haven't, but I think that's next on my list. Because I found out that some people will like rhubarb with salt, okay. and some will like it with sugar. Sugar, yeah, I'm the sugar like, guy. I, just, I, I think I'm the sugar guy. But this is interesting. But I'm assuming that's not what you were talking about. Uh, I mean, if it was, that's incredible you figured it out. <laughs> but no, that's not what I was talking oh. about. Oh, well, uh, I have a book coming out. And I'm hoping this is the one you're segueing me to talk about. Exactly. Okay. So I have a book that is either out or coming out, depending on when you listen to this. Um, Obviously, if you're editing it, it's not out yet. (laughs) But uh, so this book that's coming out is called 700 Wives. It is technically in the same collection as my first book, Not at Home, but it is not a direct sequel. So you won't get, you won't be like confused. Uh, because you you missed out on certain things. But uh, I do encourage you to read uh, both, uh, to buy both, and to buy them many times for people that you love. Well, I think it's very exciting. Uh, I would encourage our listening audience to check it out. Where can you buy these books? You can buy them on Amazon, wherever you are actually in the world. Bar- on... Barnes & Noble? No. Oh, that's too bad. Just Amazon. But you can buy them on any, like, if you're in Canada, on Amazon Canada. If you're in the U.S., Amazon, U.S., and so forth and so forth. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. This is I, exciting. I hope our listening audience would consider uh, investing in these books. These are uh, I've read them both, and uh, on the second book, I uh, am the one that wrote the questions. Yeah. So if you don't like the questions, you can write to me and complain about it. Uh, <laughs> well, it's all right if you complain about it because that means you bought it. Exactly. And Fair I'm point. all for that. Fair point. So you can complain about my book if you give me money. Good. 
So, but what if they don't? What if I don't give you money for the book? Because I read it twice. Yeah. Can I still complain about it? That's fair. I think I'm giving you money though. Good. So money is involved. Money so we're is good. involved. Someone will complain. Yeah. Uh, Fancy File Podcast on Facebook. We encourage you to uh, go on there, like, and subscribe. Where you can reach out uh, with questions. We encourage our listening audience to uh, drop us a line. Let us know where you're listening from. We will shout you out uh, where we're from. And if you have questions regarding the upcoming churches we're talking about, who knows? Maybe you'll read ahead in the book of Revelation and you have questions. Well, we would love to answer them during the episode on that specific passage. Yes, and we also, if you have any questions regarding anything we've said, or even Bible questions, feel free to write in. We would de- uh, dedicate an entire show, podcast I should say, uh, to uh, questions and answers uh, from our listening audience. But yes, please feel free. Uh, write in, let us know where you're listening from. We'd really appreciate uh, to connect with our listening audience. Uh, where can you uh, listen to this? So although last week I said something incredibly, well, last episode something incredibly controversial um, that I didn't include Google Podcasts in my now, top three. You? I know. Um, I think I was pandering to the wrong audience. So my new top three is in third place, um, Audible. In second place, Google Podcasts. In first place, Spotify. Those are my favorite places to listen to the fancy files. Good. Um, Apple has been bumped out. Uh, if they want back in, they can send us money. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we're recording from outside. This is uh, we're, we're trying this out. Uh, we don't know how this is going to sound if the background noises are too. Uh, what was that? I think someone threw a dog. <laughs> it sounds like someone threw a dog. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, if the background noises are too intense, we apologize for that. Obviously, once it's released, we'll be able to hear it. Well, once it's recorded, we'll be able to hear it while we're doing that. Once it's edited, we'll be able to hear and say, well, that was a good idea or that was a bad idea. It was like all of a sudden in the last episode, we had like plane after plane after plane. We're actually not far from a airport. So. Yeah. We're going to have that problem. All right. So we're going to open up the Fancy File uh, podcast drawer and take out uh, the file that we're doing on, which is a, a great series. I hope you're enjoying it on the Churches of Revelation. Seven churches that were uh, addressed in chapters two and chapters three uh, of Revelation. Um, and there's, of course, a lot of differences of opinions and thoughts regarding what all those mean. Uh, some will take it as that each church represents a church age. Uh, so, for example, if it was, you know, we're doing Pergamus, the, the compromised church, that there was an age within church history where it was predominantly uh, a compromised church. And that's qu- perhaps, and maybe some of you listening believe that. Uh, I t- tend to kind of go along with that within church history, we have churches that are represented by each and every one of these churches and problems that they face. Now, remember chapter one. We talked about this a few times. Jesus appears to John uh, in a revelation, uh, kind of revealing himself. uh, And in that revelation, you see him standing among seven candlesticks or lampstands. uh, And each of those uh, are represented of the seven churches uh, that are in this uh, book. 
Now, to each of these seven churches, the Lord will address specific things uh, that, one, things that he will, uh, that are pleasing to him, that he commends them on. Uh, Like in this specific church, the Pergamos church, or Pergamum, depending on your translation, uh, they were a church that did not deny the faith. And even in the face of persecution, which led uh, to a martyr's death, Antipas, uh, but are also things that bothered the Lord um, and that he would bring rebuke to those churches. Uh, and also he brings words of comfort uh, and and words of warning and prophecy and also how to change, which is important. Uh, and I believe that this is something that is being said to the churches today at the end of each of the letters that are addressed. Uh, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. And I believe it's the same thing today. We need to listen to what Jesus Christ is telling uh, the body of Christ, what he thinks, uh, how he feels uh, regarding the things that we're doing. Are what we doing is what we're doing. I don't know if I worded that correctly. Why don't you write in and tell me? Um, is your specific church doing things that please the Lord? If you're a pastor listening to this, you want to know, are we in his will? That, that's our reason to please the Lord, not only for a church, but individually. Am I pleasing the Lord? Am I in his will? Or am I doing something that is greatly displeasing him? Uh, and if we are displeasing him, wouldn't we want to know that? Well, hey, we can't. It's called the word of God. And so here, and not only here, obviously we read in the epistles as well, things where churches go off base, but specifically with these churches, there were some serious problems. Uh, and regarding the compromised church, the Pergamus church, we just read of, you know, two things that really bothered the Lord. And it was those who were allowed to teach on the doctrine of Balaam and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now, that's actually, I had to look this up. This is the second point in the chapter that the Lord brings that up. I believe the first church was Ephesus. I, I could be wrong. Uh, Mick, can you look that up? Was the first church Ephesus uh, at the beginning of chapter 2? Yeah, that's Ephesus. Okay, Ephesus. And and then the next one, I think, was Smyrna, right? Yes. Okay, so I think in Ephesus, there were some that were tolerating or allowing, and I think it says the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Yeah, that's chapter 2, verse 6. Thank you. Okay. So, and then he said, which thing I hate. So we know like, these things, these deeds, these doctrines, very much upset the Lord. And as in the vision that was given in chapter 1, we see the Lord among the candlesticks, among the lampstands. He's there. He sees what is taking place in his churches. He walks among his churches. If you feel that the Lord isn't in your church, if you're a true body of Christ, know that uh, the Lord is there. He's in charge. He's the head of the church. Uh, he's not going to ignore what is taking place. He sees your good works, but he sees the struggles, and he sees the things that would bother him. And, you know, you have to remember, right, anyone who's walked next to a candlestick or a lampstand knows that, you know, you have power over that lampstand. You can push it over. You can snuff it out. As a human being next to a lampstand, you have that power. Well, as Christ walking and seeing his churches, he has that authority he is sovereign over those churches. There is not an instant in which that church can overpower his uh, his authority. Amen. So 
We're going to start at verse 16. So, Mick, I'm going to get you to read Revelation chapter 2, 16, if you can, please. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Okay, so now we see a serious warning from our Lord and Savior, and not only a warning, but also action. So, firstly, he commands this church to repent. Now, repentance, this is... A ch change your mind. Confess your faults. Now, as we saw in the previous verses, they had compromised by allowing dangerous teachings into their church. And this compromise, if not stopped, would spread through the whole church and eventually to others. Now, so Paul called false teachers and teachings cancerous. This is actually in, I believe, Second Timothy. Second yep. Timothy. Second Timothy. Um, and the word cancerous actually, I believe, is like some translations say cancerous. Some translate it as gangrene. These false doctrines and teachings—they're going to spread, and they're going to cut off life. That's what—that's what cancer does. Cancer, I mean, if, if not treated, will kill you. Gangrene cuts off the life supply, cuts off the blood uh, to that part of the limb, uh, and that's what false doctrine does. Uh, False doctrine is going to cut off spiritual life in your life. Now, this church had doctrines that would cut off basically spiritual life in their church. And so the Lord is calling them to turn from it. And now repentance can be uh, challenging for some. Humbling ourselves and confessing our sins, admitting we're wrong, admitting we've offended God. That can be hard. Uh, but now, I guess, like, to address the listening audience and, and anyone in leadership, who's, if anyone's listening, do you realize that false doctrine offends God? Mm. See, I think there can be um, a bit of a, a bad attitude in some circles where they act like false doctrine is nothing. Okay? Oh, it's just, just you know, it's, it's just doctrine. Who, who, who cares about that? Jesus cares because he's calling the church to repent of these false doctrines. And all through the New Testament, we're warned about false doctrine. Purity of doctrine is so important because if we don't have purity of doctrine, we're gonna, we're, we can't grow properly. We're not going to grow in our walks. Uh, so, yes, false doctrine offends God. And admitting that can be hard because we can hold on to to doctrines. We can hold on to something and say, this is precious to me. Maybe that false doctrine has gotten you rich. Or maybe that false doctrine has increased numbers in your church. And that does happen. And so admitting that you've done something wrong to the Lord, especially if you're in leadership, I mean, imagine coming in front of your church and your pastor and saying, we've been teaching things that are wrong. That's humbling. But so those churches that act like false doctrine is nothing, those churches who pervert the purity of God's doctrine, it's an offense to Christ, and they must repent. They must repent. That's the first step. For a church that compromises that way with false doctrine and that would also allow licentious living, wicked living, those churches need to repent. Well, 
we can't forget, right? Um, I think sometimes if we would just take this verse without all the verses that came before, we could be thinking that that Jesus is being harsh, right? If you just take it, you're like, turn from your ways. Well, when we read back what uh, the verses that were addressed to them, there is this aspect of here is who you are. Here's the truth of your church. Now that you are facing that reality and that truth, here's what you ought to do, like you said earlier, right? Um, that Christ not only tells us who we are, but he tells us what's wrong and how to get out of it. And here's the the kicker, right? He goes, repent, turn from your ways. After all I've said about you, now you know. You are faced with the truth. And you only have, well, you have two responses. Either you accept the truth and change or deny the truth and be damned. That's a good point. I have a question. Yeah. Why do you think it can be a challenge or potentially be a challenge for some to repent of false doctrine? Oof, a false doctrine specifically. Yes. Right? Yeah. I think it would be a challenge because um, maybe maybe you could get invested in it. Right? Um, we've heard testimonies of people who've come out of certain movements and who are like, oh, man, my whole life was built upon this truth that turned out to be false. Right? Like the prosperity gospel or name it and claim it, uh, babble it and gabble it or whatever. Gabble, babble it, gabble it. <laughs> Grab it and blab it. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> Take uh, it and frame it. Yeah. <laughs> Grab well, like, it and babble. That's good. I like right, that. Right, but these people, like, get out of those movements and they're like, uh-oh, you know, and there's not much they can do. But I think ultimately we have this this picturesque thing of, like, well, now that you have the truth, now that you know about it, what are you going to do? And I think it's freeing. There is this fear because it's change. Um even if you just change offices within the same company, it's different. You know, the walls are slightly angled different. The hallways are different. But you know that maybe ultimately it's better. Well, when we are faced with false doctrine and finding out that we believe in false teachings, then and only then, you know, can we realize that. Thank you, Mickey. Did you feel good answering that question? I felt good. You look good. Thank you. You rejoicing? Oof. You're feeling rejoiced, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. That feeling is there. So, now the action of repentance, uh, it doesn't only mean that we confess our sins and agree with God that it's wrong. And by the way, that doesn't only just apply to churches. That's individuals as well. But it's also the action of turning the other direction. So for this church, so for Pergamos, they would need to get rid of these false doctrines and then teach holy and pure doctrines. It's not just get rid of it, it's then do the opposite. No, the same thing goes if you're sinning. If you're, you know, you're not just, Lord, I'm sorry that I sinned, then you go the other way. It's now you turn from this sin. You turn and you go in the way of holiness. Uh, so... It's not just just merely one thing. Just because you could anyone could say, "Oh yeah, you're right. I was wrong." Okay, but how do you know that he truly repented? There's evidence. There's fruit of that. 
The same thing as salvation. Anyone can say they're a Christian, but how do you know that they're a Christian, right? You're going to see evidence in their lives of a, that there's been a change and that the Lord is bearing fruit. Now, so this church would then, again, would have to get rid of the compromise. Now, do you hold false doctrine? And are you having a hard time letting go? These doctrines are dangerous. They must be repented of, and they must be turned away. It's vitally, vitally important. Now, the second thing is the consequence. So we have the dire warning of this church that if they don't repent, okay, that Christ, and this is, this is heavy. I don't think people would use this as, as a verse that Jesus says for comfort, right? But remember, this is Jesus saying that. This is not, and I think this is probably why people, there are some that do avoid revelation, either by reading it or even teaching from it, because maybe this doesn't fit their theology. But Christ says that he will come and fight against them who hold to this. Now, it is refreshing to hear that the Lord will deal with it. I also like how he gives us a chance to change. He doesn't say, I say, you're done. No, he's saying, change, repent. Okay, I know, I know it, it becomes a dirty word, and it shouldn't. But the Lord is saying, no, change. I want you to change. But do not think that if you... You know, ignore that warning that he's going to come as a lamb. If you're ignoring that warning, he's going to come as a lion. And he will come and he'll deal with them. And that involves divine judgment. It's funny because the wording of that phrase, just the first few words, right? Repent or else. There's just something there that makes me think of like with a kid, right? When you tell him something to do and he's like what's that is that a threat <laughs> yeah and then my idea is like jesus is like no this is a promise now i know we don't involve like include this in our booklets of jesus's promises to his people just like we don't include um if you deny me in front of men i will deny you in front of the father but still it's a promise it's like no change or else and then I know we'll be getting into the B or else, but uh, don't want to jump ahead. Okay, so I want everyone to listen to this and listen carefully. There are some false doctrines that are so dangerous and so deadly that those Christians who cling to it, participate in it, and encourage others in it are in danger of judgment. I'm going to say that again. There are some false doctrines that are so dangerous and so deadly that those in the church, those Christians who cling to it, participate in it, and encourage others in it are in danger of judgment. Now, I do not know exactly what the result of Jesus fighting against them with the edge of the sword means or what it was. But regardless, this is a very, very serious warning for us in churches not to find out 
what that means. Now, we know that we talked about earlier about the sword coming out of his mouth and the sword being can be the word of God as well, but also it cuts both ways. It's the, the sweetness of the word, but also the divine judgment that he can bring. If you are in a church and you're promoting false doctrine and you're ignoring the word of God, you are a church that is in danger of the Lord fighting against you. Now, Mick, I have another question. I might have an answer. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you excited? Very. Do you think the, do you think our audience likes our questions? That's on them. That's on them. Well, I mean, no, I'm not saying if they don't. I mean, do you think they do? Oh, yeah, I think they do. Yeah, what if they don't? Then it's on them? It's on them. Okay. They can write us? They should write us. They should write us. Okay. What do you think it means when it says Jesus will fight them with the the sword of his mouth? I'm laughing because I didn't really give an answer to that. Oh. I said I'll pass it off to you. <laughs> oh, well, that's fair. So, you know when you talk, to, this this whole passage talks about gangrene and cancer and, and whatnot, right? Well, no, I brought that up from another passage. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. in Tim- Second Timothy. Yeah, I think but it's there is still two. that idea of false uh, teachings being that in the Bible, and there are clear examples of false teachings here. And if we take the idea of cancer and gangrene, and the idea of a surgeon going in and cutting it out, you know, this church is a part of the body of Christ. That's a, yeah, I like that. And so I think that what Christ says is change, or I will come in with the truth, right? The sword of his mouth. I will come in with the truth, and I will remove you from the body. Now that— If they don't repent. Yeah, if they don't repent. Why do I believe that I am right in saying this? Because earlier it talks about Jesus talking about removing candlesticks from the lights, lampstands. Yeah. If you— cannot belong to the body you will not remain in the body and so if if this church gets gangrenous it's not making it you know uh to the holy land there might be some people who might be listening and thinking this is too harsh or the lord wouldn't do that the reality is we see churches close all the time and we don't know every reason for why they close um but I do think that there are some of those churches where they were on fire for the Lord. They started off well, and then something over time happened. I don't know what it was. We could just make something up and, you know, compromise way it came in since we're talking about the compromised church. And then the Lord removes that candlestick. However a warning comes in, you know, maybe the Lord raises up leaders in that church calling the leadership to change, or maybe even within the leadership, calling the congregation to change, however that happens, and it's ignored. And then in the spiritual, that candlestick is removed, but you don't see the result of it right away. But as time goes on, that church dies, and then the church closes down. The candlestick is removed. The Lord will have his pure church. Now, I do believe there will be apostate churches, okay, but among those that are his. he You think, no, he won't allow my church to close. Yeah, he might. If you don't get right with God, if there's something wrong there, that could that could happen. And it's not 
to, I'm not trying to say this to, to to scare you or to say that, you know, if your church is having problems, the Lord is, you know, this is what's happening. But we do see churches die. Now, in many cases, those churches die because no one goes out and evangelizes, which is what the Lord says we should do. Go and make disciples. If you're not making disciples, how are people going to get in? People aren't just going to wake up one day and be like, I know, I'm going to church. I wish it would happen that way, and in some cases it does. But the vast majority of people, that's not what's happening. So take this seriously. Take the warning seriously. Because the Lord, he wants a pure church. Now, for you individually listening to this, seek the Lord for your own life. That you are doing things that please him. If you're in leadership and you, you run a church, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm not an expert at all. I, I, so if I'm if you think I, I apologize, I'm not trying to sound arrogant. I have no idea what it's like to lead a big church, uh, small group, sure, but to have a, a, a big church or even a church with fifty or twenty, I, I don't know what that's like week in week week out. I can't imagine the pressures that a pastor goes through. I have a high respect for pastors, I really do, but that does not in any way get any leader off the hook for allowing sin to come in for whatever reason. Maybe you're afraid that what people are going to think about you because the culture pressure is high. Like today, like back then, the pressure was to give in uh, and to give in to these paganistic doctrines. Today, we have different pressure. There's different things that involve sexual sin that is the that is very popular among the culture today. You know, things that the Bible says is sin, Culture says no. Pastors will, will give in to those and and compromise. And if you do not change, you will lose your candlestick and the Lord will fight against you. I like what, I believe it's Paul Washer who said this. Um, Paul, if you're listening, correct me if I'm wrong. Also, Paul, if you're listening, please write to us. Wow. That's amazing. You're listening. Big fans. We are big fans. But um, I think it was him who said something along the lines of, um, he answered to the question, how do you feel, you know, do you feel bad about the current state of the church in the world? And he answered, the true church of Christ is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. The true church of Christ is still pure and it will remain pure because it is purified by the blood. And so even though we are going through difficulties, even though your church might be going through turmoil, it happens. We are imperfect, but the true Church of Christ perseveres and continues and will not be pushed over by wind. Christ is still sovereign over it. Amen. Amen. Well, you know what, Mick? I think we'll land the fancy file airplane there. And I thank you for your your answers. They're very good. I hope that we, I hope it was a blessing to our listening audience. The material that we're sharing with you. Uh, and uh, we just want to encourage you. You know, if you're struggling with something, seek the Lord. Uh, if you have questions, reach out. And, you know, if you are a leadership in a church and you feel like, oh, man, our church is in chaos, we don't know what to do, seek the Lord. Pray, 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 repent. Get back to the prayer closet. You know, allow your people to pray and seek the Lord and allow the Spirit of God to do a work. He wants to. He wants to do a work. He doesn't want the candlestick to be removed. He's telling you to repent. So seek him. 
preach pure doctrine. If you're afraid, ask the Lord for boldness and go out and do it. And God will reward you. And that doesn't mean that the church is going to overnight explode and there's going to be thousands and thousands of people. Maybe it does happen. Maybe it does. But even if he doesn't do it that way, you're faithfully serving the Lord. So I was your host. I am your host. I was your host. But I am and I was your host, Greg Scott, And I have with me Mick. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Thank you.